Hi there, this is Heather Campus, and welcome back to After the Gold Rush, our podcast that celebrates the strength, the resolve, the culture, and the history of Nevada County, California. And today we mark moving into our second week of our entire community being in a shelter in place due to the coronavirus pandemic of 2020. This is truly a historic time for all of us, and I'm very proud of how my community has risen to support one another and show kindness and generosity in this time of strife. I remember growing up having the experience of being drilled and being taught of what to do to protect yourself in the event of, like, let's say, an earthquake. We also knew about forest fires and how to evacuate and what to expect. Um, I have no training or perspective or understanding of a pandemic. It is all brand new information to me. And to have so much brand new information that I'm supposed to be digesting and understanding that could be life-threatening to myself, to my family, to my neighbors, to my friends, is terrifying. And I think that sense of not having the blueprint, so to speak, um, on on how to manage and negotiate this is creating a, a, a heightened level of anxiety in all of us. And I think we we need to understand that and respond to it appropriately in one another taking the time with one another to give grace is going to be really important over the next weeks, if not months. Today on After the Gold Rush, we are going to be speaking with Nevada County's own poet laureate, Molly Fisk. Molly has a new book out called California Fire and Water, A Climate Crisis Anthology. Molly is going to be speaking with us today on how poems can help us translate and process our emotional responses to events. Having a toolkit full of words for expression and advice is what we need right now. As a kindergarten teacher, I am definitely a creature of habit. Um, My minute to minute is definitely accounted for each and every day. So having a schedule is sort of helping me to manage Otherwise, I would sit compulsively in front of CNN right now trying to digest the horror of what is happening to us 24 hours a day. The numbers keep growing and and I feel like I'm in a dream. I spent the month prior to being put into shelter in place frantically trying to keep my class of 21 kindergartners virus free. I don't know if many of you can imagine what that felt like, but I'm pretty sure that I have some sort of PTSD from that experience. Try and tell a five-year-old about social distancing and hand-washing with one sink in a classroom. I was going through easily three bottles of Lysol wipes every day, and I'm usually pretty laid back about this sort of thing, but as the news of the virus spread and the shelves in the grocery stores started to empty of of things like cleaning supplies and hand sanitizer and soap and my 
classroom supply of Clorox and hand sanitizer bottles became empty, I started to feel really, really anxious. Caring for other people's young children during a pandemic is a huge burden to bear. But I just couldn't believe that within 15 minutes warning, our happy rainbow-filled kindergarten classroom was shut down indefinitely. I am now teaching them all remotely, which has been an unbelievably steep learning curve for me. But I think I'm finally getting the hang of it all. We had our first online Google meeting this Monday, and it actually brought um, a tear to my eye. I felt emotional seeing their intent and confused little faces and hearing them cry out with joy as they saw each of their classmates appear on the screens. 21 little faces and 21 quarantined homes with 21 sets of scared adults peering over their shoulders at me as we sang songs. Faith was the first to appear on my screen. She was 20 minutes early to our meeting, impatient and excited to reconnect with her bygone life as a classroom student. She was still in her pink fuzzy pajamas and eating her bowl of Cheerios. Heather appeared next. She remained in her mother's arms and refused to speak, feeling shy and unsure. Isaiah held up his pet ferret with pride, and Tristan remained serious. He did not smile or sing once in the whole 45-minute class meeting. The children know that these are uncertain and scary times. But somehow, by the end of our meeting, I think that most of them maybe felt a bit better. Tomorrow morning, we have another meeting. This time, I've invited them to bring a favorite book to share with their classmates, and we're all going to eat our breakfasts together. At some point, I guess I'll bring out the ukulele again, and we'll sing some class favorites, hoping to bring some predictability and calm into these unsettling times. We are all trying to do our best part here, but I feel like I'm building an airplane while flying it. Like most of us, I have no emotional or practical experience for a pandemic. It is all grief. It is all unknowing. It's forgetting that I already poured myself a cup of coffee and finding four filled cold mugs distributed about the house at the end of my day. It is constantly wondering if I have enough fresh produce bleach, or shampoo to last this thing out. It's the crazy dreams and the lack of schedule. It's the buying of gift certificates from my favorite small independently owned restaurants and storefronts and supporting the online shopping Nevada County Facebook website page, hoping that we can keep these businesses afloat. It's the checking on my family, my friends, my neighbors with phone calls and funny text memes. It is an empty miner's foundry and an empty broad street and Clorox wipes in every car. It is clean closets, content dogs, and baking bread from scratch. It is the stillness. It is the birds in the trees. No one can predict or mandate how long it takes a virus like this to march across our globe. 
we are at the mercy of the microscopic and inconstant. We, as a human race, are being mandated to practice simplistic patience in the stillness. Let's pray that we also find charity. The charity to support each other and to do what is difficult and sacrificial, but is ultimately the right thing to do. Forge on into the stillness. Buy the gift certificates and call a friend. At this time, I'm very excited to invite my friend Molly Fisk to join us on After the Gold Rush. Molly and I are going to be using a remote interview platform to conduct this interview so that we can remain sheltered in our own homes where we are safe and sound. Due to our rural settings, at times our internet connection does provide some glitchy modulations in our voice, but I do not think it takes away from the overall spirit of our interview today. Welcome, Molly. Thank you for joining us today at After the Gold Rush. And um, I am certain that the sheltering in place has been putting a monkey wrench in your schedule between your tour dates and your workshops and the different writing projects that I know you're involved with, as well as your trips to Three Forks. I know you go there often for workshops as well. Tell us more. Much of my work um, can be done on the phone or on the computer because I teach classes, which I very quickly learned how to do on Zoom to my cancer patients um, through the hospital. And I also, um, have clients, coaching clients, the ones I used to have in person, we've just moved over to the telephone. So I'm still working, um, not quite as vigorously as I have been because I just finished this anthology and I've been working pretty flat out on that since Thanksgiving. Well, that's good. I, um, I'm wondering how, do you find that like being this anxiety that's sort of hanging around us right now, is that affecting your creative process? Because I was so excited to have all this extra time right now at home to delve into some of these creative projects I've been looking forward to. And yet I'm having a hard time being focused or being able to tap into myself in that way right now. What do you, what are your thoughts about that anxiety and creativity? What are your thoughts? I think we're right at the beginning of the anxious time and it's as though we were in a car crash and we're all in shock. Yeah. I'm not expecting much of myself at all. Um, Some of my friends who are writers have been very prolific and, and sort of burbled out all sorts of things they have to say about this. And I've been, my whole response has been almost to become mute. Yeah. So with my students and everybody else, I'm, you know, if we're doing a prompt exercise or something, it's very simple and not related to the virus. They can write about the virus if they feel like it, but I'm, you know, I'm asking people what they wore to the prom and yeah, um, how they, you know, how they feel about daffodils rather than anything that's very deep and serious because that stuff will rise to the surface when it's time. 
It's pretty scary to think that we're just at the beginning of this um, experience, but I guess that's all the more reason for people to find the tools they need to be expressive and find the resolve they need within themselves to um, be able to face it and to handle the stress of, of that marathon. And don't you think that being creative helps you to tap into like your soul of who you are? And that would be a good exercise for all of us right now to try to really define who we are so that we can be ready to face what we have to face right now. Which exactly. is a form of grief. It's a, it's, we're all grieving right now. Right. I agree. Yeah. I've got my copy of California Fire and Water sitting on my lap right now. And I've just been really enjoying reading through it. I've got things highlighted. And, and it talks to the cathartic experience we were just discussing. This work shows how beautiful that process can be for the people who've experienced the crisis in their lives. And I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about the grant and also the process of your anthology. I, I saw about the grant last February, a year ago. I was the Poet Laureate of Nevada County at the time, but only till the end of April. And they said they were giving people um, money to do something that was really important to their community that would reach out as far as possible, but especially to youth. Mm. And that would deal with something, um, you know, that had, that had weight, that had substance. Um, and I thought about that for about 10 minutes. And then I was leaving my car at the SPD parking lot. Uh, and I suddenly thought, okay, if I got this grant, what I would do is call up California Poets in the Schools, because I used to work for them. Mm-hmm as a teacher and see if we could send as many poets as possible into schools in the state to get the kids to write about climate crisis, which at that point we were still calling climate change. Yeah. And then to reach more people, I would say, well, let's make an anthology out of some of those poems plus adult poems from the state. An anthology is just a collection of the same kind of writing so this is an anthology of poems. You can have an anthology of short stories or essays. It's just a bunch of things by different people, but the same type of thing. So I said to myself, first we'd go into the schools, then we'd make an anthology, and then we'd do a lot of readings from the anthology and involve a bunch of people as audience members and also sell the book. And that part three of that project, I accomplished parts one and two, but part three... I know, I remember you had over 20 readings scheduled this month. They're all postponed. And all of them have been postponed. Yeah. So we're just going to do that, depending on what's going on with the virus, we'll figure out what to do. Um, But it's been incredibly successful, in my opinion, and cathartic for me to be able to actually, as a middle-aged poet living in a rural county with not much going on, um, to be able to really do something about climate crisis. People have been very moved by the book and also it's been helpful in this crisis with coronavirus for people to see that there are other kinds of crises that people have survived Mm -hmm. so it's interesting that there's some crossover between one crisis and another so I got the grant I applied at the last minute which is my style Mm -hmm. with lots of help from the Nevada County Arts Council and I got the grant 
And I was the only person, there were 13 of us nationwide who got the grants. Wow. And I was the only person from a county. Everybody else was the poet laureate of their state or their city. And then I also was the only climate change project on, at those moments in Washington, D.C., when they flew us back to meet each other and I was feeling like the country mouse. Yeah. I, I sort of held on to the feeling that I needed to be there because of what I was representing. Yeah. That is extraordinarily special. Good for you, Molly. Thank you. That's so exciting. It's been really fun. And it has been more work than I've done in years, which turns out work is fun. You pushed your own boundaries. Definitely. I want to circle back to your California poets in the schools. As a teacher of young children myself, I know that kids, not they don't always have the vocabulary or enough of life experience to afford them um, their expressive tools when they're trying to process what's happening in their lives. Um, right now with the amount of turmoil and grief and confusion, how do you see reading and writing poetry as healing for not just everyone, but for, for the young students of our, of our global community right now? In the book, we have the, I think the youngest poet is in the third grade, so maybe eight years old. Yeah. And I know that language takes on more meaning and more, more structure for kids as they get a little older. Um, but for all of us, one of the things that's incredibly helpful is to have somebody say, this is the truth. This is what's happening. Mm-hmm. So any kind of and you, and you would think that making a general statement would appeal to people more, but it's not true. Making a specific statement is much more moving to people. Mm-hmm. So when somebody writes, this little boy maybe would write about uh, going to a playground and sitting on a swing and looking at a place where this house used to be, and then it turns out it was his house. Mm-hmm. That's incredibly moving to people. Yeah. So just having kids talk about what's true for them. Mm-hmm. And for the littlest kids, um, I, I'm remembering, I think it was probably the first metaphor I ever heard. I'm remembering once when I was a little girl and I was sitting on the sofa with my grandmother and she was reading me something and my leg fell asleep and I started to try to stand up and I couldn't really stand on that leg. You know what happens, you know, you lose all sensation and it feels very strange and my grandmother said doesn't it feel like root beer and I I think that has sunk in in some way was the beginning of me being a poet yeah I hadn't thought about it but it felt exactly like root beer like little bubbles and it wasn't you know stable and so I think with littler kids you kind of help them with ideas you know Mm -hmm. do you feel worried what does worried feel like you know does it feel like you're you're in a whirlpool, does it feel like it's raining on you, what, whatever. And this is where teachers can be so influential because they can help a kid make sense out of the feelings. Yeah, that's so important. The ability, the tools to express how you feel is a skill set that I think we work on for the duration of our life. So thank you for that, for providing our, our students in the state of California the opportunity to express that. You're welcome. So we were talking earlier about the proceeds from the sale of, of your anthology, California Fire and Water, and how you are contributing a portion of those proceeds towards the Nisanon Reservation, 
And I was wondering if you could share um, what compelled you to share part of your earnings in this way. This is something that people have started doing um, in my understanding, maybe in the last three years. It's possibly been going on much longer than that, but that's sort of when I first started to hear about it, that there was a way to make amends for my group of people, which is white people who came to this country in the 16 and 1700s, to make a kind of amends to the native population that's been so damaged and so decimated by us. The standard thing I've seen is that people donate 3% of earnings local businesses do to our local tribe. And it just made a lot of sense to me. And this is a project that seemed to me that I I had a lot of leeway because I got a grant to make the book. I don't have to make money to pay myself back or to pay someone else back. Right. So I decided that what I wanted to do was give my respect and acknowledgement to the Nisanon by way of an acknowledgement in the book and also some money. So I gave them a donation while I was working on the book, and then I'm going to give them a percentage of the proceeds. Well, what a wonderful and generous contribution to um, Nevada County and our community. I'm wondering if there is a poem that you would like to share with us today from California Fire and Water that might uh, speak to this era, this time we're having in Nevada County. One of the ones I love is by a fifth grader from San Francisco whose name is Sophia Lee, Mm. and it's called Secrets. Secrets by Sophia Lee. The glistening white moon taught me how to sleep at night. The golden sun taught the world to rise during the bumpy dawn. The shaking forest has secrets to tell you. You are strong. Don't give up. You can make it through. Well, that was inspired for a fifth grade student. Um, And all the pieces in the book are really beautiful pieces of transcendence. Where, Where can people buy the book currently, Molly, and is there anyone that's doing um, like curbside or accommodating for sheltering in place? There are two local bookstores that are doing curbside service. Harmony Books in Nevada City at the bottom of Street, and the bookseller in Grass Valley on Mill Street. The bookseller's website is thebookseller.biz, B-I-Z, and they also will do mail order and um, work with people from out of town. It's also available to purchase on Amazon, but we would much rather support our local businesses at this time. If you're not, if, if your listeners are not in town, they can get it directly from their own independent bookseller. And we certainly hope that they choose to do it that way, don't we? And we do hope that you make arrangements to pick up a copy of Molly's anthology and supporting our local Nevada County artists, but also is a cathartic, as we've been saying, is a cathartic experience right now to help sort of round out the corners of this experience for everyone. Molly, I have one last question for you. If you had one wish for the future of Nevada County and its citizens, what would that one wish be? Wow. You know, the county is very politically divided. Mm. And I really wish, it's interesting because we're very politically divided, but if there were, for instance, a fire, 
we would be rushing to our neighbors and our and our everybody, no matter who they were, to be right. helping them. And I wish we could move a little more of that generosity toward each other. Yeah. I wish that we could rely a little bit more on those instincts than on the divisiveness of how people speak here about politics and, and how much arguing there is and, and how much lack of, not compromise, because I don't know that compromise is always a good thing, but, but lack of cooperation in trying to work things out. Mm. People can have their feelings, but also coming together and being able to find maybe common ground would be more of an accurate term for that. Right. Find some, some place where you can stand together instead of apart. Yes. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Molly. I so appreciate you taking the time out of what I'm sure is a busy, a busy day for you to share with us here at After the Gold Rush. And perhaps we can make um, time again sometime in the future to discuss more of your future projects and anything else that happens to be going on in your life that you would like to talk with us about. That would be wonderful. And thank you so much for the invitation. Oh, my pleasure. Talk to you later. Thank you all so much for coming and gathering at After the Gold Rush this week. Appreciate your ears and your heads and your hearts, and I hope that we can all find some comfort and some solace in each other and ourselves this week. If you are interested in contributing or being a part of future episodes of After the Gold Rush, please reach out to me at heathercampus at gmail.com. As in this episode, I can record remotely using Zoom or Skype and would love to take advantage of these down, quiet moments to have some more storytelling occur. You can now follow us also on Instagram. And please do not forget to like or follow us at Apple Podcast or Spotify or wherever you get your podcast from. Please remember, it is also up to all of us to stay at home and keep all the members of our county safe and healthy. Wash your hands, drink lots of fresh, clean water, and until next time, this is Heather Campus at After the Gold Rush. Thanks for listening.